Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Love Letters and Mixtapes. I would like to open up this episode with a love letter. I wrote this one last night. A few months ago, many of you might remember that my dear friend Lauren was a guest on this podcast. She spoke about a particular practice that she engaged in while walking outside during the pandemic's early days. She would pick up rubbish off the street, and every time she went to throw it into the garbage, instead of judgment or criticism of the person who littered, she would assume that it had simply been a mistake, an accident, and that she was there not to criticize someone else, but to help make it better for all of us. I've been thinking about that story since the day we sat down to record the episode because it aligned with a practice that I had introduced at work where instead of focusing on mistakes, slights, inconveniences, and perceived flaws of others, we actually gathered compliments, praise, and things that we secretly enjoyed about each other, from the way we handled crises to the recipes we shared to how generous we were with our time. And the longer we engaged in this practice, the more detailed the praise became. During this time, I've also been quietly thinking about my own experience from 2022 until now. I've been thinking about how I moved through the world and how the world moved through me. I've been thinking about times when I showed up in earnest and the absolute worst was assumed, curated, and perpetuated about me. Now here's where the story gets fun. In the midst of life, lifing extra hard for me, I was also experiencing non-stop medical emergencies. I would not have recovered from the last medical emergency before the next one was already underway. While being someone whose outsides so rarely match their insides can be beneficial in some circumstances, the lack of basic human compassion that I encountered at this time was honestly kind of stunning and I felt more like a doormat than a person. I was in and out of the hospital from January 2022 until just a few months ago. This dark comedy of errors felt like someone who didn't particularly like me was drunk and reading one of those choose-your-own-adventure books. And it's not as if life stops when these things happen. No matter how tragic, stressful, life-changing, or impossible the circumstances. The bills still have to get paid. There are jobs to be done, mind-numbingly difficult personalities to encounter, and the stress of looking good while doing it. Not to mention crossing paths with people who don't and won't ever like you for no reason, and they choose to make things difficult or scapegoat you as a way to level their perception of a playing field. Then, one year ago, after an exhausting 12 months of medical mishaps, 
I had a major medical event that sent me to the ER for the last time. This was followed by two severe concussions, multiple falls, bruising half of my face, and almost breaking my arm in the process, because the gods like a good laugh. I was pretty out of it, but I remember that when I went to the ER, the nurses were irritated with me because I couldn't understand their questions, and I struggled to answer them. I struggled to move my hands or to fill out forms, and this would be concerning for some people, but it was annoying to them. When I left the ER this last time, I could barely remember how to get home, but I distinctly remember thinking about that beautiful opening line from the novel The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton, and she wrote, when I stepped out into the bright sunlight from the darkness of the movie house, I had only two things on my mind, Paul Newman and a ride home. My own version was more like, when I stepped out into the warm pink sunset from the brightly and hopefully sterile lights of the ER, I had only two things on my mind, pasta and complete and total surrender. In less poetic terms, I gave up. Since then, I've spent an excessive amount of time half-naked at the beach, listening to my favorite songs, eating pizza at sunset with my feet in the sand, and sipping hot chocolate in the ocean. To say that it has been restorative would have been an understatement. We often hear people say, you never know what people are going through, and we pat ourselves on the back for not punching anyone in the face on that particular day. But I think those words are an invitation to assumption in its purest form. Assumption as a prayer, a blessing, a covenant, and a balm. Assumption as the first step in responsibility and interconnectedness with every living thing on this planet. Assumption as humility, a simple romance language of politely asking, how can I show up for you, for us? Assumption as communion, but instead of a sacrament of bread or wine, we assume when the endless waves of life crash over our heads, not because we are bad or wrong or deserving of it, but just because that's what waves do, and we frantically tread imaginary baptismal waters just beneath the surface that others are doing this too. That same gift of assumption is generously bestowed upon us by the person next to us who is navigating complex problems, their best day ever, or a Tuesday afternoon drenched in Christopher Moltisanti's regularness of life. They're being broken open and reduced to their most vulnerable selves at the same time we are, while also having to do things like pump gas, cook dinner, and fold laundry. So we gasp for that breath of life before going under again. When we inevitably surface, we can offer grace on the exhale. We chose a wild frequency in the multiverse, and I believe our shared kindness is the medicine, the current, and the currency. They say that if you want to know God, you should probably get to know his kids, not just the ones we would choose out of a catalog or the made-to-order kind or the ones we see as unique and special and beautiful and amazing but all of them. And the invitation here 
is to assume that everyone is struggling in unknown ways, worthy of kindness, and has more in common with you than you could ever imagine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I sat down to write that love letter last night, it brought up so much. And that invitation to reflect and take an accounting and check in with ourselves about how we've been moving through the world, how we've been perceiving other people, how we've been reacting to them or responding to them or retaliating against them. Those are big questions. And I think we're really encouraged to stay far away from that type of reflection. I almost feel like we're encouraged to keep a scorecard as we move through life and to make sure that we strike first. But when we live that way, we are not often reflecting on what we're bringing to the situation, what humanity asks us to bring to every situation what it means to be a human in a human body, having human experiences, and having to do those things while also having to pay the bills and drive the kids to school and go to the doctor and all of those things that make up our daily lives. And when we do pause and reflect on how we move through the world, how often are we making excuses for ourselves? How often are we saying, well, this was justified. They hurt me, so I did this, and this is the emotional accounting. And how often does that exclude us from growing, from showing up for ourselves, for modeling that kindness and compassion for the person next to us, whether that's our child looking at us or whether it's a stranger or whether it's someone we think of as an enemy? And how often is that habit of hypervigilance, that story of self-protection, that assumption of the worst in other people, how often is that cutting us off from the person next to us, from our own capacity, from all the ways we could share our gifts and show up for one another and show up for ourselves in the process? Meanwhile, something in our heads is telling us, If I give this to you, I am cutting myself off from it. If I give this to you, I won't have enough for me. If I'm kind to you, that's less kindness for me in the world. And I don't bring this topic up so that anyone feels bad about themselves. I don't bring it up to pick a fight. I don't bring it up because I feel holier than thou. I bring it up because these are the questions I ask myself on a daily basis. And I don't always love my answers, but that's it. That's it right there. That's the work. I can almost compare this to meditation, the way we have all of these misconceptions about what meditation is and what it does within us. There's almost this feeling that meditation is perfect silence and stillness and alignment and peace, and you are glowing from the inside and you're vibrating at this higher level and you're just hovering over the surface of the earth, not quite touching it. 
But for anyone who has a regular meditation practice knows, meditation is bringing yourself to that moment. And every time the mind wanders, stopping yourself and bringing it back. And even if it's 20 minutes of every 10 seconds, that happening, that's the meditation. That's the medicine. That's the healing. That's the practice. It's not the perfection. It's the coming back to ourselves, bringing ourselves back to the moment. That shock and spark and glimmer of awareness. And it's almost a feeling of shame of why am I sitting here in meditation and my mind is wandering and I'm thinking about the grocery list or the fight I had at work or how my partner is letting me down or how I need to lose 10 pounds. And we beat ourselves up, right? Because we think, oh, I didn't do it right because it wasn't perfect. But I'm here to tell you that if you are bringing yourself to the moment and you are catching yourself when you wander and bringing yourself back, that's the actual work. And so when we find ourselves in these very human experiences, lashing out at others, clinging to our hypervigilance, feeling really protected in our judgment and our criticism and our critique of other people, that action of pointing the finger, of tallying someone else's rights and wrongs, when we find ourselves in that grip, it's not that we're terrible people for ending up there. That entire experience is an invitation to awareness. And after awareness, we can take an action. And that action can be to release our grip on that moment, to just let it go, to open our hand, to be willing to receive something else. And it's really scary because we definitely have that feeling that if we put down our armor, if we're not constantly on alert, if we're not being aggressive and pointing a finger and pushing people away and moving through the world as the critic, that something bad is going to happen to us. That we're opening ourselves up to be the victim, to be villainized, to be the disaster, to be punished, to be walked over. And yeah, maybe those things might happen. But it's really about reflecting on how we want to show up. It's about saying, I don't want these outside possibilities, these outside circumstances. I don't want other people or what I imagine other people think and feel and what I think that they might think and might actually do to me to control who I am and how I show up in the world. And I don't talk about this because I do this perfectly. I am the most human human of all humans I talk about this because I want these types of conversations in the world. I want there to be spaces where people can go, even if it's just walking around with your headphones on, in private, turning this podcast on, and listening to someone talking about this, and taking that invitation that every other person on earth is going through things that you know nothing about. And whether it's their best day ever or their worst day ever, you don't know. So if we can't show up in kindness, which we don't always have access to, can we show up in neutrality? And what would that bring? How would that shift things? And I don't want this conversation to be confused with the anomalies, the outliers, those extreme moments where something terrible is happening. I am a person who has had horrific things happen in my life, and I'm aware that when those things were happening, I did not have any control. 
And yes, those things were affecting me, and they were supposed to affect me. We're not talking about trauma here. We're talking about our daily lives. We're talking about how we show up for our family, ourselves, our coworkers, a stranger, the person who cuts us off in traffic, that person who says that really nasty, sarcastic, cutting thing, and they kind of walk away from us with that I gotcha attitude. It's how we show up in those situations. It's about the quiet undercurrent of kindness that we always have the option to tap into in our daily lives, and we never know what effect that will have on someone else. It's about leaning into that when the entire world is telling us that we don't need to, there's no benefit, no one's looking, you won't get a gold star, there's no one to take a photo of you, what's the point? It's about doing that and seeing what does that change inside of me? How does that shift my perspective, my perception, how I show up, how I process things, what I'm willing to do, how willing I am to show up and listen to you and be present with you, be kind to you, to see what I can contribute versus what I can criticize about you. And when we're having these conversations, it can be really challenging, especially if we grew up in a home or this was not the language, this was not the currency, this was not an option for us because it was kill or be killed. We might find ourselves in moments in our life where things feel like that, either a work environment or a relationship or some kind of dynamic where we feel like we have to strike first. And in those moments, we can tell ourselves, I'm just doing it this one time. It's just this situation. This is just, this is just, this is just. But I don't think that we're built to compartmentalize ourselves that way. And very soon it begins to spread into other areas of our lives. And I don't bring this up so we shame ourselves. I bring it up so we call ourselves back home. And we invite ourselves to show up in our true nature. And as corny as that can sound, as strange as it can feel to pivot in those moments when we are the ones acting out or someone else is acting out, it's an invitation to take that counterintuitive action and say, I'm going to give this a try this time and see what happens. It's not about achieving perfection. Maybe it's about allowing for curiosity, for saying, I don't know how this situation is going to end. I don't know how this is going to unfold. Maybe this person is going to escalate it, and maybe that's out of my control. But what would it feel like if I knew at the end of the day that the way I handled myself was in alignment with who I am, who I want to be, who I can be proud of? And even as I'm sitting down to record this, I feel so cheesy. Like, I feel like this conversation is the thing that everyone's going to write me about and be like, that was a pretty corny episode. But these are the conversations that I think are worth having. And if we're not getting in touch with ourselves in that way, if we're not being vulnerable and kind of cringy and a little corny every once in a while, I feel like there's this part of ourselves that we're not accessing. And I don't want to lose that. I know that about myself. I don't want to lose that part of myself that is willing to be curious about doing something different, about showing up in a different way. A few podcast episodes ago, I talked about this question I've been working on lately, and that is, what is the most generous thing I can do in this situation? 
And I love that inquiry because a few months ago when I began asking myself that until now, the answers have changed. So what does that look like when we plant those seeds in our emotional lives? And I think the story is so interesting because it's very different than the story of certainty that we're always encouraged to tell ourselves. That certainty of that person's going to behave this way or I'm going to look this way or this is how this experience is going to end. When you take that opportunity to say, how can I show up more? What can I do differently? How can I be generous in time, in energy, in presence, in spirit? The answers might shock you. I know they've been shocking me in the best way possible. It doesn't mean that life has been great. Honestly, it's been a really challenging few years, and I don't think I'm the only one who's experiencing that. The phrase I often use on this podcast is life on life's terms, and I think that that's a beautiful example of it. Things that you don't expect, things that come out of left field, things that shake things up, that bring up insecurities or bring up opportunities or reveal to us our capacity, but in some pretty uncomfortable ways. In my love letter, I mentioned getting to know God's kids. And I know God is not a word that everyone resonates with, but on this podcast, we talk about God as an experience, not a person. So whatever that experience is for you, that almost indescribable thing that happens sometimes, that's what I'm talking about. And if we want more of that in our lives, if we want to get to know God at a different level, getting to know his kids at a different level is probably the best way to go about that. And it's really challenging. It is not easy. But maybe that's the work. And I was talking about doing that even in circumstances when it's something we wouldn't pick for ourselves and not running away from that, not looking at that as the ultimate red flag that this wasn't exactly what I would have chosen for myself. It may be reflecting on moments in our lives and we were surprised, surprised by what others brought to us, surprised by what we learned about them, about the world, and about ourselves. And that's not to make any of us a doormat and just allow anyone and everything in. I'm obviously a big fan of discernment. I talk about it so much on this podcast, but I also want that overlap of discernment, curiosity, and willingness. And I want to see where it takes me. And that's what I'd like to leave you with with this podcast episode. I want to see where this experience takes us, where it takes all of us and how we can show up beyond our job titles, beyond our relationship roles, beyond what we think is going to be a return on investment, and instead leaning into our true nature, even if we don't know what that is yet. Maybe just trusting the journey and trusting the curiosity. And I don't know what that's going to look like for you this week, the same way that I don't know what it's going to look like for myself but I'm excited about showing up. And as cringy or as corny as it is, I am leaning into that. I'm leaning into that part of myself and that part of you that I know is there that maybe we just haven't tapped into lately, but I'm excited to see where it takes us. Until next time, please make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Maybe take a moment to like, 
rate or review this podcast. And thank you again for listening to Love Letters and Mixtapes. <laughs>